And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're back for an emergency pod. Not an emergency labor relations pod. We're going to leave that to the experts. But we're here to talk about transactions, incoming, outgoing. It's been a crazy week around baseball. The Blue Jays made some moves, made a big move, a bit of a surprise, but a big move nonetheless, signing Kevin Gossman for five years. And I can't do this alone. I can't do this at all. So I need to call in the expert. She covers the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, I pronounced your name correctly, and now you're here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I did my best. I did the best okay. that I could. It's okay. It's a tricky name. Very to... tricky, yes. <laughs> yeah. But we're here. Again, this is Spin Rate, as I mentioned off the top. Thank you so much for dialing us up. If it is your first time, welcome, where we talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and we have for this is the coming to the end of our first year of Spin Rate. Looking forward to many more. It's going to be our like, big... Season hmm? finale soon. Season finale soon enough as their labor relations thing is probably going to scuttle any more uh, transaction talk. But we do have lots of transactions to talk about. If you do like what you hear and it is your first time, do us a favor and, uh, and dial it up here at, uh, at, at Spin Rate. Wherever it is you get your podcast, subscribe. Give us a rating. Give us a like. Give us a comment, a review. But make sure you subscribe to the show. So when we do these impromptu transactional Shows, you're ready for it. It's right there in your device as soon as you take it upon yourself to check it. And if you haven't already, of course, this is an athletic podcast. I want to make sure that you subscribe to The Athletic. I want you to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and sign up if you haven't already. Get yourself a tidy deal. There was a t- quite the deal on for Black Friday. If you missed it, that's you're not missing out on any content, so make sure you sign up regardless. Let them know that we're coming, that we sent you, I mean. Is that what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Let them know that we sent you. Sign up for The Athletic. Get a tidy deal no matter what, Black Friday or otherwise, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, wherever the hell we are in the calendar. Uh, sign up for The Athletic. Get Be first to know, be first to read the breakdowns, the analysis, the insight of Caitlin, of Keith Law, of Evan uh, Drellich and, and Ken Rosenthal as they go deep on the labor situation as the union fights for their share of the very large and ever-growing pie in the world of Major League Baseball. But who knows what's going to come of this labor situation, if it's going to be long, if it's going to be short, as we are recording here on Tuesday evening. There are still negotiations going long into the night. But there is a lot of pie to be div- divided up as baseball has lost its goddamn mind the last week, just throwing money around hither and yon, including your Toronto Blue Jays, who, as I mentioned off the top, signed Kevin Gosman to a five-year, $110 million contract. Caitlin, Hmm. what do you think? That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. I mean, they sort of have said for the last number of years, including this year, that... They had the money to spend and they were going to spend it. And um, they kind of targeted starting pitching as a real need this offseason. And so you could kind of um, guess from that that a bulk of their budget was going to be devoted to getting an impact starting pitcher. And um, off the top of the show, you said maybe kind of a surprise, but Kevin Gosman is a guy that they've liked for a while. There was last offseason where they wanted to sign him. They had interest in him, but ultimately he ended up taking the qualifying offer uh, with the Giants, which proved to be a really good move for him personally. Um, Sort of that 
bet on yourself one year deal. Um, he ended up having just as good, if not a better year um, in 2021 than he did in 2020, just two very good years in a row um, and kind of launched himself into this offseason where obviously he was going to be making a lot of money in the Blue Jays after he, you know, did not take their offer last year. They obviously made him a much more uh, lucrative offer this year. And he accepted. And so, you know, he's a he's a guy that they've liked. He's a kind of type of pitcher. You can see why they like him. And maybe we can get into maybe the sort of pros and some cons maybe, but there's cons with every guy that you sign. There's always risk when you, um, you know, sign a pitcher. But um, he's obviously the type they like. Um, and so, yeah, it was maybe a little surprising because I think – um, you've uh, sort of illustrated this really well before, but it's, I think it's always a little bit surprising when the Blue Jays are, you know, a team that we see top 10 spenders in um, free agency and handing out one of the biggest deals um, that we've seen so far this offseason. Like, it's always still a little surprising um, that they're a team doing that, but it's kind of been a pattern, right? For the last number of years, it first mm-hmm. started with Hunjin Ryu um, with $80 million, and then uh, George Springer last offseason was $150 million. That was a record deal for the franchise, and then they followed it up this year with the Brios, $131 million, um, and then this one. So it's been a lot of money. It's like close to like 470 million or something like that over the last um I guess two two years um dating back to 2019 with Hanjin Ryu. So the Blue Jays are not they're not afraid to spend money and um they went out there and basically got probably a the top one of the top three pitchers um on the free agent market this year. Absolutely, yeah. I, I know that Keith Law had him as uh, number two, I believe, on his board here at the Athletic. And you know, Kevin Gosman had a great year. Did, did he win the Cy Young? Well, no, he didn't. In fact, win the Cy Young. But I think that the a your point is one that I agree with because you were agreeing with me in that like this is a bit not uncharted territory, but it's just you don't. Still, I'm still not used to seeing them go toe to toe and like come out on top. And then yeah. there were the reports that Gosman took less mm-hmm. to join the Blue Jays, which is really, really interesting. And again, man, we sound like just like boring old, you know, shills, but, but like you have to believe that the Blue Jays are making an impact in the league with their culture work and with the idea that this is a place that people want to play. And this is what all the kind of legwork and all the groundwork that, that, that a guy like Mark Shapiro has, has, has put in like this to me, these are what the, this is what, that work produces in the end is guys want to play for you, your own guys that you develop, get better. And then when you are like, Hey, we got a bunch of money. It's comparable to the money that the Mets are giving to given to you. But I don't know if you knew this or not us, not the Mets. (laughs) And, uh, and then people are like, you know what? That's a great sales pitch. I'm on my way. It's more than just, we're not the Mets though. Of course it's that, we believe in what we're doing. Other players believe in what we're doing. We're showing results on the field. We're getting better. And and it's it's not wrong to be like, well, they still finished fourth and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. But like anybody with eyes and anybody who has a vested interest in the future of the franchise, like a guy who's committing the next five years of his career to them, can see that like I like where they're going. I like the pieces that are here. I like these players. I like this front office. I, you know, the, their, their sales pitch to me was convincing. And it doesn't take much, a, a couple conversations to be like, yo, is this stuff for real? And if there's somebody that you know, if it's someone, if, if you're Kevin Gosman and a player you played with, and, and again, this is, this is the, the end result. They're not the end result. This is the ongoing result of that kind of, of, of effort to build the face and the foundation for uh, a successful franchise. And, I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty fun to watch. It's a lot better than watching free agents walk away and, <laughs> and, and guys being like, I don't want to play in Toronto and making sure that Toronto's number one on every no trade list when it comes through. This is a bit of a change and not a bad one. Yeah. Um, I would also agree with everything you said. I feel like we're making a kind of a boring episode right now. We're just agreeing with each other, but um, it's, uh, I mean, I, ho- I hope maybe we get to hear from Kevin Gosman. I don't know that we will because it's kind of a tight timeline by the time the team gets all the, you know, everything done with the uh, physicals and all that kind of stuff. Um, it takes a few days usually. And then typically they have a press conference, but obviously with the looming lockout um, coming Wednesday 
at midnight, basically, that I don't know that we'll have time to talk to him. So we might not really hear from him until the lockout ends. Um, so we don't necessarily know um, all the reasons why he wanted to come here. But I think you kind of spelled them out. Um, you know, culture, obviously, the Blue Jays put a lot of work, I think, into those presentations they make. Not that every team does, like every team is trying to sell their city and their organization, but it's obviously worked pretty well the last number of times they've done it. You know, it worked on George Springer and um, it's worked on Marcus Simeon and all these other guys that have chosen to sign here. So they're obviously doing something right, presenting the city, presenting the organization. Um, you can just see the way the Blue Jays play and who they have on their team, that they are um, certainly a team that you, you think have all the pieces to be a, a winning team. They were obviously very close in 2019 and most of their roster so young and they have a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is finishing number two in MVP um, voting and kind of looks like he'll be a perennial MVP candidate himself. And so I think the other thing too is somewhat helpful is that like sometimes when a guy plays in the AL East, like Kevin Gosman did for a while with Baltimore, he's probably seen a lot of Toronto and does have a sense of the city. And so sometimes when maybe it's harder to convince guys that played in the national league their whole career and they don't know anything about Toronto and they don't know what kind of city it is and um, what it would be like to live here. And, you know, some Americans and, you know, other players from other countries, they might just not have any experience being in Canada, being in Toronto. And I know like sometimes when you do these like player surveys or like, you know, random anonymous surveys and ask players all these questions. Like, um, I, I don't know that it's the favorite road city cause there's pretty good road cities. Uh, like players like going to New York and stuff like that, but Toronto does pop up every now and then as sort of an underrated city that players like going to. Um, and so sometimes I think it's helpful when a player, um, is familiar with the city and Kevin Gosman probably is from, you know, the five or six seasons he played with the Baltimore Orioles. He would have pretty well known the stadium, the city, and everything like that. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first, check this out. Let me ask you a question then. Okay. And and, and I think that this is the this is maybe the difference. Not maybe not the difference. This is, I think, the, the thing that's that's key to watch or key to, to think about. Why Gosman and not Robbie Ray? If you had to guess. Why did they sign Gosman and not Ray? Um, well, I mean, looking how Robbie Ray's like contract with the Mariners came out, which was an opt out, I think, after the third year, like the dollar value and the length is obviously fairly similar. Um, Robbie Ray got 115 million, um, so five million more. But the opt out after year three is very um, player friendly is a, a huge, um, advantage for Robbie Ray. If he goes out and has three good seasons, he can go back onto the market and make even more money. Um, and then the Mariners are losing their best pitcher after three years when presumably their team would kind of be either entering or in the real like thick of their, um, competitive window. I mean, I don't know how much we buy into their 2021, just given sort of like the run differential stuff, but they do, they obviously do have a good team, a good young team. Um, and so you would presume that in three years time, they're right in the thick of competing. Um, and so if that was, um, something that Robbie Ray really wanted, um, and obviously his agent was able to get it for him. So if that was something that the Blue Jays did not want to give, um, and, I don't, you know, they're not opposed to opt-outs necessarily. I think Barrios got one in his contract, but a little, uh, quite a bit later. Um, and so obviously Kevin Gosman did not get an opt-out. Didn't, I don't know that he didn't ask for one or the, he asked for one and the guys didn't give him one or whatever, how it unfolded. But obviously the contract is such that he signed for five years guaranteed. That's a lot safer for the Blue Jays. Um, and so I think if you look at the, pitcher types they're kind of not similar pitchers um in the sense that they kind of operate differently like Robbie Ray is obviously more reliant on um his fastball velocity and the slider and and working off that whereas um Kevin Gosman's it's basically the splitter does a lot of work for him and then he works the fastball off of that they're both two pitch pitchers primarily and they have other ones that they can work in um they're both kind of more recently for Kevin Gosman, but always for Robbie Ray, um, is their big strikeout guys. Like they, they get a lot of swing and miss. And so that's something I think the difference, and maybe, maybe you can add to this 
because it seems like you've kind of been looking at some numbers or something, but I think something, um, Robbie Ray's a little bit younger, but not much younger, I think. Um, and, but one thing is like, maybe you feel a little safer with Kevin Gosman because he's not so reliant on the fastball velocity. Um, his kind of best pitch is the splitter, um, an off speed pitch. It's like, it's not so much looking for that velocity. Whereas Robbie Ray, um, as much as he, you know, doesn't necessarily show any declines right now in that velocity, but it's always a riskier bet betting on a guy that purely relies on velocity. And also Robbie Ray's success was so linked to his improved command, which was great this year, but you have to look at the track record and maybe you have to wonder a little bit. So maybe those are some reasons I would think it would come down to more so the money in the contract as opposed to the type of pitcher, though. But the Blue Jays obviously feel fairly safe that Kevin Gosman can kind of really easily slip into um, the spot that Robbie Ray had and I think will kind of deliver similar results if you kind of look at how they match up and what they do well. Uh, well said. I think that – I think that one thing I would say that I do – I don't disagree. Uh, I think Kevin Gosman obviously you know, still needs velocity – um, you're not not quite as dependent on it as, as Robbie Ray, especially as a guy who's never who has not ever struggled with the walks as bad as as Robbie Ray did for uh, for so so long. But I think the thing with Gosman is he's got to be able to throw his fastball up in the zone past people in order to make his splitter work down, right? Yeah, so if his fastball true. is not a weapon up, he's he's in trouble. But I think that the advantage of a splitter is a the splitter is a is a pitch that has a lot more neutral uh, platoon splits. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's a weapon against lefties and righties. Right. I, I think it's probably a bit of a better weapon against lefties. It really gives him, really gives him something that's going away um, from, from the barrel and, uh, and, and can miss a lot of bats with it. But it's, um, it's, it is interesting because they do have that similarity of, of being kind of two pitch pitchers. And even, even though, you know, Gosman has, has thrown his, third pitch through a lot more than Robbie Ray, but it's definitely just something to kind of get guys off his splitter, which again, he, he is a, he's a two pitch pitcher. And I think that, that some of the stuff I was reading, it was just about how much he's been, um, was unlocked when he went to San Francisco in particular, where Mm -hmm. they just said like, go nuts. Like if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to throw, be a two pitch guy, if you're going to throw your splitter all the time, throw the splitter all the time. And, and, you know, not only does he not walking is the, the, the walks aren't the same threat as they had been with Robbie Ray, but also the home runs, um, are, are not the same kind of threat as, as the, you know, we saw with, with Robbie Ray, who, who in fact, you know, gave up a lot of home runs. He's off to a place where that probably won't be such a, as much of a problem anymore, but I don't know. It's really exciting. Um, the one thing I was going to, I had, a I don't know if it was even a joke, but like, talking about how much Kevin Gosman likes playing in Toronto. Um, he did he, uh, hold batters to uh, batters in Toronto, took him to town to the tune of a 824 OPS, <laughs> which is uh, pretty high, but it's not his overall numbers in that Toronto was, are, that are was not the bad. Old, that was the old Kevin Gosman. Exactly. Exactly. The Blue Jays are getting the new Kevin Gosman. He pitched. He's pitched nine times or fifteen times at the Rogers Center. Only allowed eight home runs, so that's not bad. I'll take that. But yeah, it's just it's it's uh it's it's a it's a good signing. It's a guy that obviously it's a it's a good signing. It's a signing. Who who would ever sneeze at this? Um, you just hope that um he can get, obviously you the concern is health uh, as it is with any pitcher. And uh, and just the ability to make make his stuff work, but I think it's he's a it's a nice um, compliment as well in mm-hmm. in the Blue Jays um, in the Blue Jays rotation uh, because with Gosman with with Hyunjin Ryu with Jose Barrios Alec Manoa and then whoever else Nate Pearson plus whatever it's going to take him to get through the season that's a pretty good assortment of uh, of a, of a starters uh, without with still lots of time to go in the off season. Yeah, no, it's um and it's the way it's shaping up. It's like that's their rotation for at least yeah, I mean the the five guys are sorry, the four of the guys you named would be signed I think through 2026. Um Rios, Manoa, Pearson will be around until then. Um and then obviously Kevin Gosman and then Hunjin Rio obviously would be leaving. Um, I guess two more years. Do you have two more years? Time yeah. is such a blur. Um, with the pandemic and the, especially like reuse like time with Toronto has just like obviously been in 
completely coincided with the weird times. And so I always have a hard time remembering like how many years Ryu has been on this team and like all this stuff. Cause it's just like that time period for me is such a blur, but uh, yeah, like the blue Jays. And like I said, it's probably just goes back to that point is they, they just feel probably a lot com- more comfortable knowing they have um, four guys through 2026 and they don't have to sort of look ahead to a season like, um, you know, two or three years when they lose Ryu and then like, say they had a guy like Ray that, you know, they gave him the opt out and then he's walking in 2023 and then they're kind of, uh, 2024, I guess it would be right. I don't know. I can't do math. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a good signing for the Blue Jays. I think they're probably happy with it, obviously. Um, and it, it seemed like they kind of struck at the right time also, like everything was sort of starting to happen. And it did mm-hmm. seem like there was a swell of um, definitely starting pitchers, but then it kind of carried over to position players as well, um, kind of wanting to sign, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes with free agency, like not to, we, well, maybe we can get into this later, but um, when Steve Cohen, you know, tweeted about uh, obviously the Stephen Matt situation where, he, you know, they thought that they were going to get a last chance with Stephen Matt's or they thought that, um, you know, they, they they could make it work or whatever it is. It's like, I think with, and then some some subsequent people were, were tweeting about it. Um, just, you know, Ken Rosenthal is tweeting about like, this is how sort of agents work and this is how it goes. And just, I think the sentiment is like, with fr- front offices, it's like, once they think they have a guy, they just kind of almost want to do it because they don't want to lose it. They don't want to necessarily say, let me go back. Let me talk to someone else. Or like, you know, I think once it seems like there's a deals in place and you're relatively happy, like you just make that deal. And so obviously the Blue Jays um, were at a place where they were just comfortable saying, okay, Kevin Gosman, we know he wants to be here. Let's just make the deal. And, you know, maybe in another alternate universe, um, they would have kept Robbie Ray if situations had been different, but just seems like the way things line up and if they were sort of like you know this is a sort of 1a 1b scenario we don't necessarily care we just want one of these type guys to lead our rotation and Kevin Gosman was the one that was deciding first and it just it worked out and that's that's who they got and and they had to get someone and so so it seems like there was some urgency to sort of just make it work and get one of those pitchers because they were going fast at that point like at this point, I mean I don't know off the top of my head who is sort of the remaining sort of ace like um, like Clayton Kershaw, but obviously there's a lot of questions with him and Marcus Stroman's still out there, but he wasn't coming back to the Blue Jays. And so like there was kind of the number of players, the number of pitchers that might have um, fit that profile that they were specifically kind of looking for. There was not that many and they kind of had to strike. Yeah. And I like that they went for a guy who's not as much of like a project like John Gray, right? Where yeah. there's not as much doubt. And and uh, you, I think that there's something to be said for this sort of like planned obsolescence model that they're that they're working with where they're, you know, the last year, the last two years of Ryu will be declined, but so they've got somebody in at their at his peak so that you know, as Ryu's on his way out, then you'll get the you got hopefully to get some more good and productive years from Gosman. And then as he goes, as he slides yeah. away, you still got Manoa in, in mm-hmm. you know, in his ascendancy. You still got Barrios. Pearson. And then and then you well, you've got your lottery ticket with Pearson, which yeah, yeah, sure. no one knows. No one knows what's gonna come from Pearson, but uh, no, there's a lot it, of hopeful hope it, around him, of course, though. It it does feel like there's like a nice there's like tears to their rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, And like Mark Shapiro like talked about that. And I don't know that he's talked about this a lot before, but he did talk about it a lot in his most recent time he talked to us. And it was interesting, like just him explaining how roster building is not always, it's not only just like putting guys into positions, but it's also like planning a roster so that, when some guys are maturing, it also aligns with the time when other guys are just getting to their peak. And then when those guys are getting to their peak, you have other guys that are like kind of knocking on the door and that they, everything is always timed out. And then, you know, when you're spending on this amount of players, um, you, you know, it, it all kind of like comes together. It's like a puzzle. It's like building this whole puzzle with intricate different pieces and, and prices and all this kind of stuff. But, um, it does feel like now that I'm, you're seeing how they're building the roster, you can kind of see almost the timelines like within the guys and then within the roster. Like you can kind of see, okay, these are the peak years when you're going to like see this guy move to a lesser role in the rotation and this guy's going to take over and all that. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see how it would all come together and, and mature along. So I got two questions for you before you move on. Okay. This is like hot take o'clock here. 
Okay. Uh, who, which pitcher starts on opening day for your Toronto Blue Jays if the roster is as it is? Yeah. Well, who starts on opening day? No matter what they what move they make, they're not bringing in someone else. I don't think who's going to start on opening yeah. day. Um, I think it's Kevin Gossman, but also it could be Brios. But it's one of those two. Opening hope- days in Baltimore. I don't know that teams. It's not align. quite what it used to be, right? They, they, there's yeah. a lot of talk about. And, and, t- and teams don't align. Like, if they're not starting the season at home, it's not like teams necessarily align their rotation to be like, but th- here's where we'll be in the home opener and this is what we pitch. Like, they kind of just want the f- – they just want the five in the order they want and whoever starts in the home opener starts in the home opener. Um, you know, I don't know. Kevin Go- – it could be Kevin Gosman. It could be Rios. I don't know. I Cowards. Don't know. Cowards, they should be come right out and be like, opening day starter is this guy. Uh, my, my, if they're knowing that they're starting on the road, as you've just uh, enlightened me to, that means that they must make Manoa start the home opener then. Let the king of vibes ascend <laughs> to the, to the peak of vibes mountain. And then the other question is over the life of Kevin Gossman's contract, who is going to be a more productive player? Will it be Kevin Gossman or Robbie Ray? Um, I just like snuck in this like oh <laughs> I don't know ridiculous question. Well, I mean, I'm gonna plug my colleague Eno Saris. There we go. Who wrote a really good, interesting piece where he actually looked at who will age the best of um, three pitchers, all somehow linked to the Blue Jays: uh, Robbie Ray, Marcus Stroman, and Kevin Gosman. Um, so I won't reveal the ending, but. If you want to read that piece, he does come to a conclusion um, of who he thinks is the best pitcher to bet on long term. I think everyone but should. I think they're all decent bets long term. I like that. Everyone's everyone's good. I've been blocked again. I keep getting blocked on Twitter. I got to stop getting blocked by clowns, even though Uh-oh. they deserve even worse. They don't deserve to see my tweets. The Blue Jays also made another deal. Mm-hmm. For a free agent pitcher, a reliever. My, I, I don't want to mispronounce this gentleman's name. Is it, is it Yimi Garcia? Garcia? Yimi? I believe so. Yimi? Yimi? I don't want to do it wrong. Uh, was it two years plus an option? He was a closer for the Marlins at one point this season. A lot yeah. to like. A lot to like. Indulge me. Tell me what I need to know about Yimi Garcia. Yimi, it is. Yimi. Um, yeah, like, uh, I think it's the type of reliever they're looking for. Um, he's been fairly, um, durable. I think he had Tommy John, I want to say like, um, a couple years ago, but since then, I think since 2019, he's pitched 135 innings or something like that. I'm just, I wrote about it a couple days ago. And so I'm just trying to like, I should have pulled up my piece, but I'm just trying to talk here from memory but uh just generally you know pitches a lot of innings and it's been reliable he's kind of probably more of a seventh eighth inning guy as opposed to a closer especially on the blue jays i think they're better off keeping jordan romano where he is um but he definitely it's not it's not a bad idea to have another guy who has that experience um pitching in the ninth inning i think with the Marlins, he was obviously a closer. When he went to Houston, he was more used in um, any kind of middle to late relief role. Um, and he can kind of pitch in all that um, in all those different situations. And so um, I think that he will be re- reliable. I think he's basically like hovers around average, slightly above average. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot to like about it. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty. It's just a tidy bit of business. Um, yeah, it's just I, like I, kind of a reliever they need. And I, I don't. I, I haven't looked closely at his uh, arsenal, but again, a guy who over the last, those last three years, as you mentioned, so he had Tommy John in 2017. Like he missed all of 2017. Mm-hmm. 2018 was obviously a year uh, coming back. Uh, pitched, you know, still pitched quite a bit. But then tw- 2019 with the Dodgers, 2020 with the Marlins, and then uh, last season split between the Marlins and the and Houston. It wasn't uh, it wasn't great with Houston, but I didn't get that many opportunities to pitch. Uh, as you noted, he was sort of just a a depth guy in a team that that was you know trying to build a, a bullpen that was going to win uh, the World Series. But you know, 
this is a, this is a, this is what a win now move looks like, right? This was yeah. a little, you know, not not depth, not like a, you know, nothing. There's nothing a lot of, most fans hate than the idea of like dumpster diving. Like, oh, we signed this guy in a minor league deal, and you know, some of some of those deals that have worked out for the Blue Jays. This isn't that. This is a bit more high, higher profile. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a bit more money involved, and it's a guy that they just believe can uh, can do the job back there. Yeah, he throws uh, you know, pretty hard. Like mm-hmm. I'm just I just put up his savant page and now I'm remembering when I pull out the page. Like he throws like 96 fastball. Um he has also good spin, which is like something the Blue Jays kind of always look for and like. So, you know, fastball spin is a 95 percentile um on savant and then the curveball spin is 83 um percentile. So, obviously like one of the better um spinning curveballs and one of the better spinning fastballs. Um, and he actually has a lot of pitches um, for a reliever. He has like four or five pitches that he uses. Um, so that's always interesting to have. And I think probably has some more swing and miss um, in his game uh, by comparison to some other, other Blue Jays relievers, like obviously Simbler and Meza in particular are more reliant on um, getting ground balls and, and pitching to contact. And so he will kind of give a different look, I think, to the Blue Jays um, in that mix. So it's just like another reliever that Charlie can use in those situations. And it looks a little different than Simber and it looks a little different from um, Meza and even Trevor Richards, obviously with him relying on more of his changeup. Um Interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I didn't have another point. I want you to make yours. What I was going to say is, is is I mentioned that he went from the Marlins to the Astros um, at the trade deadline. And if you look at how he uh, was attacking hitters, he changed things up a little bit. He definitely went away from his slider. Um, as he when he went over to Houston, uh, threw added a, a sinker in that he had kind of shelved as a pitch that he kind of goes back and forth with. Uh, de-emphasizes changeups uh, considerably again, a bit of a fringy offering, but like uh, and then threw a ton more curveballs. So you know, you mentioned his spin, uh, curveball spin was something that has uh, grades well for him, um, and. You know the Marlins or the sorry the Astros are not afraid for to to shy away from those sorts of things. And you know when we I had Kevin Goldstein on the show and they talked about a you know a guy like Colin McHugh who had a really high spin curveball and the team was like throw that more give it a shot. So uh, you know what it, that's something to watch. I think is 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 what kind of arsenal does he does he have or what is it that with those kind of building blocks those things that the Blue Jays love as you noted the spin the high spin fastball and the, and, and a high spin curveball. Um, how do the Blue Jays try to make that work, and and how do they sort of uh, approach and and kind of tweak his uh, his arsenal? As again, um, he basically stopped throwing his his slider to right handed to left handed batters altogether. So so something something to watch again. As you said, a guy with a lot of pitches and a guy with a lot of um, uh, I don't know if tools are the way to describe those, those sorts of attributes, maybe. Um, so lots for lots for the Blue Jays for 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 Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and the team to uh, to really work with um, as they find as they look to find a role for a guy that's as that the back of the bullpen is is looking uh, pretty solid, pretty interesting, and and again I think you can't you know there's always a lot of volatility in any reliever, so the more mm-hmm. depth you can build, the more things that you can add. To, to kind of weather that stuff. If Adam Simber, you know, gets found out as a guy who throws 83 miles an hour next year, <laughs> maybe, maybe you can de- move him down. And if you got a, if Yimi Garcia has a lot more to offer, uh, you're the Blue Jays, you're probably feeling like you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. One thing, um, we kind of, you mentioned just those sort of non sexy, um, minor league deals, but one minor league deal that caught a lot of people's attention this week, obviously was one, um, that I think, some of us maybe could see coming was Blue Jays are bringing back David Phelps um, on a minor league deal. Um, and presumably this would be a situation where, you know, you sign a guy that you like to a minor league deal, you invite him to spring training, but he's definitely looked at as a very real candidate to make the team so long as he's completely healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what we saw last year. I believe with Tameza, like he was, I think he was signed to like a minor league deal or a situation was. like it was like that. And then he really had a great camp and emerged um, as they had a great uh, year. He had a great year, of course, but it's all started with a great camp. Absolutely. And, uh, and so I think that would be um, the situation with David Phelps is that if he goes out there and has a good camp, looks to be healthy um, and is, you know, throwing 
like he normally throws, um, I would say he's a good bet to make the team, which would be another, just another guy um, that just gives them that continued depth for anywhere between the sixth and eighth inning. Um, he's also a little different arm too. Like he tends to throw a lot of fastballs and just throws them in the zone basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he w- was really good for them last year. And I think one thing that I've mentioned before when someone asked me about um, the potential for him coming back is that one thing that maybe you can kind of like about it or maybe feel cautiously optimistic about was that his season ending injury was a lat strain or it was a severe lat strain that was needed surgery, but it, it wasn't to do with his arm, right? Like it wasn't elbow, shoulder, anything like that necessarily. Um, so you're hopeful maybe. <laughs> no, no, you're, you, I agree. I agree. And that, that is the right perspective to have on it. But it's also a little bit sick in the way that we think about these things. Like yeah. shoulders are kind of like DEFCON, DEFCON 5 and <laughs> elbows are like DEFCON 3. And this guy, like I, I don't know exactly what the nature of his injury, but it's like, oh, yeah, all he did was like detach the muscle straight from his <laughs> rib cage. Fine. He's good to go. <laughs> He'll be okay. He'll be fine. Put some ice on it. We got ice. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. Now let's let's set aside um, the rosterbatory section of the show for now. Let's okay. now let's move on. We talked a little bit about Robbie Ray. He got five yeah. years and fifteen million dollars from the Seattle Mariners, a team that you falsely described as up and coming, when in fact <laughs> they're trash. Uh, but but I think actually when we <laughs> talked about this, I just want to make a point and prove. Um, that we know what we're talking about. Uh, that I think when we were like at the end of the season, we were bandying around like where they could go. I think we actually mentioned the Mariners as a landing spot for both um, Simeon and Ray. Um, mm-hmm. And for a while, it looked like Seattle really wanted Simeon and they very well may have really wanted him. Um, obviously, Texas wanted him more, but um, it's it's kind of funny and I uh, it's also not surprising that one of those two landed there because I think it really made a lot of sense. Um I because agree. they were kind of not they were kind of in a similar stage. They're kind of looking for similar things that the Blue Jays were. So, um good for Robbie <laughs> Ray and I think you mentioned it, but I think he'll the stadium will suit him well there. And 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 an exciting team with an exciting yeah. um outfield around him to chase down all those fly balls <laughs> and pull back some of those home runs. Um, I hope you know Kyle Lewis is a is a guy who's you know Jared uh, Kalenyuk and then uh, Julio Rodriguez are probably the bigger names, but I love that Kyle Lewis. He's a really good ball player. I'd love to see him liberated from Seattle. Um, <laughs> but and I thought Marcus Simeon was a great match there um, uh, as well. But instead, he goes to Texas for seven years, one hundred and seventy five million dollars. To which I say. Uh, that's amazing. Way to go, Marcus Simeon. I also want to say, take a brief moment to pat myself on the back mm-hmm. for being like, he's going to get that big money. It, like I was talking about today with somebody and, and like there were people seriously, sincerely being like, I think I'd offer Simeon four eighty, four years and $80 million. <laughs> like, bro, that is not going to get it done. But nevertheless, that, that's a huge amount of money, uh, uh, for a great player, for one, for a really durable, you know, uh, someone that everyone around the team spoke of so highly. Love his, they loved his work ethic, um, his production, obviously, because he was really, really good, and and his professionalism. Bobby Shat, as we've discussed, was really rattled, undisguised, you know, shaken up, not shaken up, but like just emotional, talking about how much uh, Semyon meant to him. And uh, Texas, like, Texas, similar to Seattle, looking around, being like, "Well, we don't have any good players. We should probably so go get some." So of course mm-hmm. they signed Semyon seven years, one seventy five, and then. Uh, a gargantuan contract for Corey Seager, which, uh, you know, from right now, it sounds like Corey Seager will be the shortstop and Marcus Simeon yeah. will be the second baseman. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. But, um, someone, someone wrote about that. I can't remember. Maybe a few people have mentioned it. Maybe it was Keith Law, actually. It was. Um, yeah, that he mentioned exactly as you say, that's what we would expect, but they'd be better off swapping that or moving Kyle, or sorry, Kyle, um, Corey Seager to third base and having Marcus Simeon at, at uh, shortstop. And then filling second base some other way. They, I think they have some internal options. You know, anecdotal eye test, but watching uh, the Dodgers and watching Corey Seager this uh, fall in particular, I did not feel confident about his play at shortstop. He, as Keith wrote in his story um, about uh, Seager's been through, went, went through Tommy John 
and mm-hmm. uh, just hasn't really been the quite the same defensive player. But the Rangers, you know, they gave him a, a, an absurd amount, not an absurd, like a significant amount of money. Ten years was a $320 million or something because when Corey Seager is on, he is like an MVP caliber player. Um, that doesn't make the doesn't make the Rangers good. I think that's the thing to remember. They signed Simeon and Seager and uh, John Gray, but they're still the Rangers, and they're still really lacking in the top end talent, especially the internal kind of uh, guys. Other than whenever they drafted Mark Leiter, so those are the big ones. Uh, you know, I, I don't the. That's way out of the Blue Jays' price range, I think. Seven, 175 The Blue Jays were never going to get there with a player like Marcus Simeon. Uh, you know, no. wh- while we can talk about them being the new Blue Jays and things are different, that's the, that's a lot of that, – that I can't see them go, going there with him. No, if, I think the key point is with him. And not. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way to Marcus Simeon. Like, um, it just – it didn't – it doesn't work for the – their roster construction. It doesn't work for their current priorities and, and how they envision their club in three or four years. Like they need to be, they need to reserve money for a big contract for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Bo Bichette. like that huge shortstop contract needs to be offered to Bo Bichette and they need to have the room for if, and when he accepts it. Um, so they can't, the, like, you know, 480 for Marcus Simeon, they would have signed that if he would have taken it and that would have worked in their budget, but that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, um, it just, you know, as much as they would have loved to keep him, um, I, I just don't think the stars were ever aligned. The time, like, the, the, it's kind of the opposite of last year. Last year, the Blue Jays and Marcus Simeon were both in the right place at the right time and they found a great deal and it worked. Um, it's unfortunate that, the team fell short because I think when you look at losing, like, you know, Simeon and, and Ray um, in particular um, will be, you know, two of the greatest ever kind of like one hit wonder type players. Well, I mean, Robbie Ray's a little bit more than one year, but obviously this one year was special for him um, and to go down in history. Like they will be, you know, two of the most memorable, um, great oh, one year only Blue Jays. Um, and, so it's unfortunate that the stars didn't align in terms of the the team going deeper because I think they obviously had the talent for a playoff run um, and um, and all that. And so, yeah, in a perfect world, the Blue Jays probably would have wanted to keep the gang together, but it's just not how it works. Um, and there was other teams that were going to be willing to pay Marcus Simeon a lot of money. Um, and I think it's not even so much the money thing, although 175 would have priced them out, but it's just the term as well. Like, Paying Marcus Simeon seven years till he's 37, just knowing how much the Blue Jays are going to have to be devoting to their um, to their payroll in 2023 and 2024 and 2025 when um, Vlad and Bo start to get expensive. And even you're talking about Teoscar needing to see if he's going to stick around and even, you know, other other players as well. And so, um, it yeah, it just, you know, it was not going to happen, but. As you say, and I agree with you, good for Marcus Simeon. He deserves it. It's a great, you know, it's a, a great thing to see, I think, when a player, you know, takes those one-year deals um, and it really works out and they bet on themselves and they make a lot of money, as they should. And it's um, Marcus Simeon will probably go down as, you know, one of the nicest, greatest players that I covered. Just, uh, you know, I would agree with everyone that praises him. Um, mm-hmm. He was great to deal with. He was great to watch. Um and uh, it was definitely a fun year. But um, I think the Blue Jays, uh, you know, have a lot to look forward to, even without those players. But it, it's, the, it's the way the game played, right? Like this, this was the whole deal. You know, mm-hmm. you, if you could make it, make it work, if you're the Blue Jays with Marcus Simeon, I'm sure they would have loved to do it. They, they, I think I, my sense is that the, the the pillow contract one year eighteen million was just too good to pass up, and they knew what they knew about him. And then after having him around for a year, the, I can only imagine that that increased the interest that they would have had in having him be a Blue Jay for a long time. But this is his chance to get out there to get that money to to cash in on his amazing season in twenty twenty one after his amazing season in twenty nineteen after his very good season in twenty eighteen like the really good player who's not being paid like a really good player not exactly a uh, a, a well kept secret anymore um I do mm-hmm. think that he's below 
he's below like the Kawhi tier of like one and done Toronto sports legends. Yeah, of course. I would also say that he's got definitely going to be below the David Price tier of like one and done, you know, half and done Blue Jays le- legends. Yeah, I think I think because he doesn't have a, any playoff experience or any playoff games to show. That's. I think the the the, the pandemic uh, affected that. Marcus Simeon is also like a pretty quiet guy. Like he's he's yeah. quiet. He's unassuming. I think he's. I think there'll be. We will think more often, or maybe not more fondly, more regularly about Robbie Ray. And then I'm doing hand tears in the in, on camera that Caitlin can see, but no one who's listening I can, can see. see. I think he's going to be below Robbie Ray because it's a bit more quiet. Because it's a bit more like it's the kind of thing where you'll be on Baseball Reference like five years from now and you'll be like, "Wow, man, Marcus Simeon had fucking 45 home runs!" Like, like that's the kind of <laughs> for the Blue Jays. The Blue Remember Jays. we played Kudu. for the Blue Jays. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, but but uh, yeah, shout out to those two guys, Stephen Matz. Did yeah. we talk about Stephen Matz? Did we talk about? No, this? we didn't. No, this is. Did a- I don't think so because I think no, we didn't. I last about time we the, recorded, yeah, I talked about it on the radio a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Matz, four years, forty-four million dollars, which is uh, I, again, I think a bit more about the, the question of term. It's definitely it's definitely in line with the the kind of spitballing that we did on our on our show because we the Jay Hap. 2016 deal sort of serving as a a bit of a blueprint of three years and 36. Um, I think realistically four years and $44 million for Stephen Matz is is fine. I don't have any Mm -hmm. problem with it. The thing that I said, and and I was, oh yeah, we were, (laughs) we were talking about this. Uh, you know, the, the, the Cardinals are no fools, right? The Cardinals are not the Rockies who are just sort of groping around in the dark. Yeah. Like, if they believe that Stephen Matz can projects to be his his health and his velocity and all those sorts of things and the changes that he made midseason are the kind of thing that can help him to 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 remain productive for three of those four years, or two and a half of those four years. I don't want to appeal to authority, but it's like like there's there's something there, right? And it's not a gross overpay. And four years isn't crazy, unless you think he's a health risk, which I don't. Any other than the fact that he's a pitcher, I don't know how you can you would run around and say that he's a bigger health risk than anybody else out there. And he only has mm-hmm. to be if he's league average for even two years. That deal pays for itself in my mind. So shout out to Stephen Matz yeah. again. I if you're the Blue Jays, you'd rather invest that roster spot and that money in in Kevin Gossman and some other guys with higher ceilings. But uh, and just and to to, um, just add something is like if just say in a scenario where like the Blue Jays um, may have matched or come a little closer. I mean, Steven Matz may have wanted to go to the Cardinals. I think it's actually a really nice fit for him, maybe even better than the Blue Jays, um, given the type of pitcher that he is Um, pitches a lot to contact and the Cardinals have what the best de- defense mm-hmm. in the majors, certainly the best defense in the national league. Um, he's a national league pitcher for a long time. Maybe he wanted to go back to the NL. Um, although I don't know that he's going to get a chance to hit anymore. Cause I think the universal DH is coming. Mm. Um, but anyway, like, and I think the ballpark, I don't know much about um, Bush stadium, but I think everything that I've read um, is that it's fairly pitcher friendly. Um, and so also Steven Matz has been a little bit home run prone over his, um, career and so pitching in that ballpark might help him as well and so I think that's other things that you know we always have to consider is that sometimes um, players at the end of the day it is going to come down to money but if you're kind of splitting hairs then it can come down to situation and and all that kind of stuff and yeah like you said or alluded to like the Cardinals are a pretty storied organization they had a good season this past year obviously getting to having that crazy win streak and then getting to the postseason and they still have a pretty good team they have some good young players on that team um and it's obviously a good fit for for Steven Matz so um i think that that he is a player that um the Blue Jays were kind of aiming to get two starters, but I think they can also live if they don't necessarily replace Steven Matz mm-hmm. right away. Um, I, but I also think there's going to be options. Like there's going to be, I haven't seen the list cause it's probably coming out right now, but maybe there's some non like some non tender guys that have come become available. Like y- you can probably find like, maybe there's another Steven Matz type out there. Obviously mm-hmm. when the Blue Jays traded for Steven Matz, it was not like, uh, it, I, people kind of met that trade with a shrug. He was coming off a bad year with the Mets. 
Um, he kind of had an up and down career at that point, kind of rarely living up to maybe that potential he had as a, a younger player when he was drafted. Um, and the Blue Jays unlocked something. And so I think that they have, a, they over the last couple of years, they've had a fairly good um, eye for projects that have worked out obviously not every single project works out but um they've they've landed on some good ones recently and so maybe there's a trade out there I know we've talked about some of the bigger name trades but you know sometimes like not I don't know that last year we thought oh Stephen Matz is a trade candidate but they went out and got him right mm -hmm. so there's always those possibilities um that they can go out there and trade but I also think that there's some depth in the organization like a Ross Stripling could fill in a, a starter role until you're maybe comfortable um with Nate Pearson or maybe you kind of use it use that fifth role in some creative way where you're using Pearson for some shorter outings and having Stripling come out of the bullpen or whatever it is but I, I think the I I think the Blue Jays have got another starter like I'd be surprised if we get to spring training and we're talking about fifth starting competition um only between like Stripling and, and um Pearson and Kay and Hatch and all those guys I, I think we'll see the Blue Jays get at least one more starter before spring training starts um and probably at least another reliever maybe two mm -hmm. um and probably an infielder one reliever we won't see them get is uh, kirby yates who of course the blue jays had an ill-fated dance with um <laughs> where they signed uh, a high-risk signing and then he was hurt who's now uh re-signed or not re-signed signed with atlanta a two-year deal as he i guess is set mm -hmm. to miss 20 uh most of the first year yeah missed the first year which happens i the same thing that happened i guess with uh with ken giles uh a yep. couple of years back uh which shout out ken giles he's with the mariners ken giles with the mariners um yeah he's with the mariners um That's the one the one one of the relievers that i was kind of like saying they should get this guy was daniel hudson who was signed with the dodgers mm. so that dream is dead um, I liked Daniel Hudson when he was around in 2019. It was funny. The 2019 season was such a weird season to cover. And I remember like kind of waking up, well, I don't know, waking up one day or getting to the work one day or whatever and realizing like Daniel Hudson's having a really good year. Like I'm going to do a story on this guy today. Just like go over and talk to him. Just a lovely guy. Like just a great, nice man to talk to. He has a great story um, that Ken Passon wrote about in his book, Jeff. The Arm. Oh, did I say Ken? Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> combine combining. It's a good book, um, the, the, the Arm. A, a good book. Passons, I enjoyed it, sorry. and I, I don't like sports books most of the time, so I liked it. Not that I don't like them, I anyway. just don't bother with them. That, shout yeah. out Daniel Hudson. Yeah, yeah, you know, shout out Daniel Hudson. The last out of the World Series. Yeah, but there's still a lot of relievers out there. Tons of relievers out there that the Blue Jays will have their their pick to get a guy that can throw some trikes. And just like. You know the bet on yourself sort of mantra that we've we've heard. Uh, you know, of course, started with Fred Van Vliet, um, and then uh, you know, sort of Marcus Simeon and, and Robbie Ray. Their pillow deals sort of speak to that. The Blue Jays, uh, as an organization, have to bet on themselves and their ability to identify and 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 acquire the next Stephen Matz. To your point, guys who mm -hmm. may not be on the radar, and I think it's important for us, especially if you're listening to this or you're me. And to a lesser extent, you like there are people who are sitting in the Blue Jays offices or more likely at home and like their job is to find out, just to identify trade targets, to find a, someone who might be a little bit under the radar or be the one, uh, a guy that's a good fit for them. Um, so while we're like farting around on our phones or like looking, you know, while we're watching succession and like thinking about this and that, that's their job. So they are, that's where they cover, uncover the next, they're not, you know, these Steven Matzes or these potential trade targets because there's obviously a million other moving pieces too. Who, what could happen in the, if one team's going broke or one team wants to cut costs or they need to mm -hmm. offload this guy or he doesn't get along with the manager or he's this and that. So there's always a million moving parts and pieces that, uh, to contribute to, to these unex, somewhat unexpected moves, even though some of them are. And tend to be uh, a little on the obvious, not obvious, but you know, something you can see coming, and others come right out of left field. So, speaking out of left field, let's do a little bit of quick, uh, quick couple of rounds of like rosterbation and uh, and just general uh, treat rumor mongery. Uh, Chris Taylor, what do you mm -hmm. think? Is there any truth to that? I mean, so are are maybe I'll let me ask you this then: Are the Blue Jays okay. still in on 
free agents the caliber of Chris Taylor, Chris Bryant, other guys named Chris, or are, are we moved into the more bargainish type shopping uh, stage? I think they still are because I think that if they had kind of m- mapped out their budget or like you know their payroll or what they have to spend, um, it feels like they obviously targeted um, a guy like Stephen Mass. They were, they were willing to like spend eleven to twelve million on per year or whatever um, as a pitcher. Obviously, a high end pitcher it's spending more like you know twenty plus million on per season. But it looks like they've sort of mapped out or planned for an infielder that they're spending, you know, a significant amount of money on. Obviously, if they were interested in Simeon, they had sort of a a, a number that they would have been willing to pay him. Um, and so I do think that there's probably still a chance that they can land a free agent infielder. Um, and they probably like budgeted it and planned for it. I think you mentioned Chris Taylor, like that is a type of player that they really love. Um, he plays all over the infield and outfield a little bit. Um, I think he hits, he hits right-handed, um, hits for some power, which would fit right in with the blue Jays. Um, but I think especially defensively, he would be a good fit for the blue Jays. Um, I think he can, I think second base would be his strongest position, but I think he can play third. Um, the Blue Jays would probably have some internal options anyway of how they want to figure out. Um, Chris Bryan, I think, would is a name that also has like been out there. Like he fits, um, obviously plays third base. Um, and another name like Kyle Seeger um is a, a possibility in the sense that he's out there. Um, he plays third base, obviously not as young or as productive as his younger brother, Corey, but still hits for power, doesn't really have the on-base skills potential that he had a few years ago. But I think he still plays pretty solid average to slightly above average defense at third base. Um, so he wouldn't need or he wouldn't really warrant a long-term contract obviously but he could potentially be somewhat of a fit um if the blue jays were looking there there's trade possibilities as well um with the infield so i think that would probably be kind of i don't know hard to say like where all these priorities Mm. are I still think getting another starter is a fairly big priority. I think the infield is also a fairly big priority. And then I think they can return back to relievers a little bit later because um, those tend to kind of continue on very late into the offseason. We don't even know when the offseason is going to continue. True. Like there could be a real mad scramble in February where our teams are just trying to get everything done. Mm. Um, but yeah. Kyle Seeger is an interesting one. I think he does. I think. Uh, you said it right. He, he does play a nice third base. He is uh, spectacularly mm-hmm. bald. I think there's not enough. Yep. Not enough, you got to get the zoobs <laughs> on here to talk about Kyle Seager's bald pate uh, dome. But uh, not uh, <laughs> his offensive numbers are not uh, those that are inspiring a great deal of uh, of confidence moving forward. His uh, on base percentage was uh, was what's the word I'm looking for? Piss poor. Uh, just you know, a little on the limited side. He does hit left. He does have some pop. Uh, what he is not is the name. I don't know. I don't think you mentioned it. Is the the real infielder upgrade that the Blue Jays are ready to make? Mm-hmm. As there have been some rumors, hearsay, heresy, bullshit, or accurately, uh, Freddie Freeman. Blue Jays have been oh, rumored yes. to be connected to Freddie <laughs> Freeman, which the great third baseman Freddie Freeman. Thir- Look, they don't, he doesn't need to play third base. Vlad can play third base. If you get Freddie Freeman on this Blue Jays lineup, you can play me at third base. It doesn't fucking matter. They're going to score so many runs. Um, I, I have zero confidence that the Blue Jays are going to sign Freddie Freeman because they're not Atlanta. I don't. I can't imagine him leaving Atlanta. And then if I, if he does leave Atlanta, I can't imagine him not becoming a Dodger after that. But oh, you got your hands aloft. What's the deal? Oh no, I was just stretching. Oh, I, but thought, I thought you were going to make say, a dramatic I mean, point. I, you look like me. You were like, I was like, here we go. <laughs> we're one year into this thing, and Caitlin's got the demonstrative part down pat. No, I was just, I was literally just stretching. But um, to make a point, Freddie Freeman could be a dream come true to play for the one Canadian baseball team in the majors. Him being a proud Canadian by by 
parents. The the proud marriage. the proud child of <laughs> proud Canadians. Let's not let's not exactly. let's not do what let, I mean. Look, I I will never ever ever ever, and I've said this a hundred times, and I don't care. I'll say it again. I'll never forget when Freddie Freeman played for Canada at the World Baseball Classic. It was just such a delightful gesture, yeah. and not only was it a delightful gesture, he played his ass off. And I've said it before. I, I feel like I've told the story too many times to even recount. But it was the last game, and I can't remember who they were playing against Canada. And they were about to get eliminated in, in like absolutely embarrassing fashion, as it is, you know, Canada at the World Baseball Classic. And there's Freddie Freeman, he's the last guy up. And they were down by two or three, and there was somebody, whatever the situation was, it, he was he had the potential to be the last out. And he hit, he didn't hit the ball very hard. He had like a dribbler down the line. And Freddie Freeman, who was born and raised in California, absolutely wearing a Canadian jersey, busting his ass down the line to first base, like running as hard as he could to try to beat out a grounder in a game that was a, that was over. He was out, game was over, but I was like, fucking Freddie Freeman, you are the king. I got you, Freddie Freeman. Uh, he's going to get like a six-year, $180 million contract in the Blue Jays, just as we described with uh, with Marcus Simeon, seemed very unlikely to invest that kind of money in anyone. <laughs> I would happily invest it in Freddie Freeman. He is really, really good. He is, he, he is the the Votto we were promised uh, for all the all the years of, that we pined for Joey Votto to come home. And now we'll get the the uh, okay. the, the California equivalent of uh, of of Joey Votto. But yeah, pipe dream, but a fun one if nothing else. It is fun. I'd be down for that. Maybe Joey Votto too. You know, the Reds are the yeah Reds trade. Are, the Reds are, yeah, the Reds are going to trade everyone. Not so Joey Votto. Maybe. They, the, no. They could happen. go to his house and beg him. Be like, please, Joey, can we trade you? And I get the sense that Joey Votto would be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and they would be like, they would have to say, fine. Yeah. Like They're like, you, you have they, an, I know we, you know, have a no trade clause. And he's like, that's right, I do. And that's the end of the conversation. I don't even know if he does have a no trade clause. There's no way they're trading Joey Votto. And Joey Votto said before he doesn't want to go. So and that's his right. That's it. I got. That's all I got. I, I don't think we need to okay. delve too deep into the rumor part because that's this is the part of the podcast that ages the worst, and especially if we sit here yeah. like spend time being like, "Hey, what if they uh, signed uh, Clayton Kershaw?" Uh, and then they don't. So, Caitlin, what do you got coming up? Or what, so, what, what have you written this week? I guess maybe let's go, let's look back. So we've talked a lot about it. We've talked about the tra- transactions that have been made that were not made. Uh, you wrote about Go- Kevin Gossman in detail, did you not? I did. Yes, I did. So people can read that now, and then probably in a couple days, I'll take another look at the roster, see what shape it is in, Yeet. based on some transactions they've made, and um, then we will do a lot of waiting around for whatever is going to happen. To happen, I did a little pencil gesture, like the pencil it in. I want you to pencil David Phelps right into that roster. Because that, that, that feels like as, as de facto a guy who's going to make the team, as you said, as anybody. So a big week, a big and exciting week for the Toronto Blue Jays, an exciting week for the Toronto Blue Jays fans. It's a whole new era where we can say stuff like, oh, they'll never sign him. And then maybe they will <laughs> because, <laughs> holy shit, they signed Kevin Gosman right out of, yeah. out of nowhere. In the middle of the feeding frenzy of all feeding frenzies and. uh Big league free agency. <laughs> Hopefully, they, it portends labor peace. As that's like they can't turn their pockets inside out and be like, "We're poor. We gave a thirty-seven-year-old guy forty-five million dollars a year to pitch." Like, doesn't fly anymore. So, make sure yeah. you read everything that Caitlin writes over here at the Athletic. Make sure you go to theathletic.com/spinrate to sign up for the Athletic. Get yourself a tidy discount. Make sure you subscribe to Spinrate wherever we get our. Uh, your podcasts will be there. Bring us in if you ha- if you can. There's an RSS or all that whatever fancy stuff. Fancy RSS readers, very fancy. <laughs> make sure you follow Caitlin on Twitter. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. Don't make sure you follow me on Twitter. No, I don't want to get blocked by more people. It hurts my feelings. Uh, and then yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll ho- we'll have a couple. We have some fun ideas, things we've talked about, and uh, and you never know. Maybe there'll be another bulletin an hour-long update bulletin just rapid fire an hour of banter um about the but the whatever it is that is to come so her name is caitlin mcgrath my name is drew fair service we will talk to you next time
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.